Hello, this is Dr. Gary Miller, president of the University of Akron. We are honored to have you listen to our podcast series, Diverse Engineering, Women Engineers Through the Decades, which would not be possible without the generous support of our gold sponsors, Bridgestone Americas, Continental Contatech, and the GPD Group. Together with our community partners, we at the University of Akron are committed to the success of students from around the world and in our own backyard. We are especially proud of the contributions and successes that have resulted from the hard work, determination, and dedication of our women engineering students. Please enjoy our podcast. Welcome to Diverse Engineering, a podcast celebrating the contributions, stories, and voices of those who have been historically excluded and thus underrepresented in the fields of engineering. My name is Ebony Bond, and I am a 2018 mechanical engineering graduate of the notable University of Akron, and I will be your host for this podcast. This season is in honor of women in engineering through the last five decades. You can expect to hear about the foundation that each woman's career was built on, their experience as a woman in engineering, and about their current lives and hopes for the future. This episode titled Community Setting Concrete features Shelly Kendrick. Here's what you should know about Shelly. Shelly's 21 years of experience includes coordination, design, and project management of a diversity of project types and representing local owners in construction and coordinating public information, particularly on projects with complete streets and active transportation elements. Shelly graduated from the notable University of Akron with her Bachelor's of Science in Civil Engineering in 1999 and her Master's in Civil Engineering in 2002. I definitely look forward to sharing her story as a woman in civil engineering. And Shelly, I want to thank you for taking the time to represent the 90s decade. Today, we have Miss Shelly here with us. Uh, definitely want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know people are enjoying their vacations and you're picking up a lot of the work. So thank you for squeezing us in. Definitely appreciate it. Hi, Ebony. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So when I think of civil engineering, I think when a lot of people think of civil engineering, they think of steel toe boots, they think of dirt, they think of outside, they think of hard hats. What would you have to say to that? Yep. I think <laughs> I think that people do think that a lot. And that's certainly part of it, especially if you're an engineer. I think that most other engineers, that's what they think of civils. And that is mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, especially if you work for a contractor, construction company, even if you work for the government, you might be a project inspector. You go out and inspect projects mm-hmm. um, for the owners. But those of us who are engineering consultants and do a lot of design work, most of the time we're in the office more, but we do try to mm-hmm. get out to the construction sites to see our projects being built. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of times we're doing bridge inspections or other types of field work. Interesting. So you don't necessarily have to get dirty. You stay, you know, in the office a lot of the time. As you can engineer. if you want to. Yeah. Um, but I think you definitely learn a lot more if you get out there in and the see field. it. What inspired you to go into civil engineering of all things? When I was in high school, I did pretty well at all the subjects. And I'm always been a little bit indecisive. So mm-hmm. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I went through all kinds of things. I was going to be an author. But we had those tests that you could take in school that tried to help you figure out a type of profession you might be good at. Mm-hmm. And it kept telling me either an accountant or an architect. And I came to Akron. Uh, not knowing what I wanted to go into. I came in undecided. Mm -hmm. 
And I was in the honors program, and so I was around a lot of other people going into engineering. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about engineering. My dad yeah. was an accountant, and my mom was a teacher. And so I learned more about engineering. And I also had a friend at Kent State doing architecture. And I was debating between civil engineering and architecture because they're related. After looking at the architecture and civil engineering, as much as I like the creativity, I decided the math and science part of civil engineering was more for me. Mm. So, and I had always liked to build with Legos and Lincoln Logs and that kind uh, of stuff. So okay. it was really the structural part that interested me. So you have that engineer story. Nobody yeah. told me about engineering in high yeah. school ever. Yeah. And I did well in math. Do you remember much of your time here at the university? Were you involved in things? What was it like? Anything that stands out? I was involved in ASCE, okay. Society of Civil Engineers. They every year do a a competition for steel bridge and concrete canoe. Mm-hmm. Even though I was interested in bridges and structures, that was like the really nerdy team of guys. And the fun team was the concrete canoe. So I did the concrete canoe team. Okay. That's what I remember. Okay. <laughs> so you went with fun. I did, that... even though steel bridge was probably more challenging. But we had fun doing the concrete canoe. We had a great time, learned a lot. Yeah. Um, and I actually worked for, um, my first job here was, I worked part-time for our geotechnical engineering professor, Dr. Sane, who was here at the time and helped mix concrete and test concrete. And I know it doesn't sound exciting, but I learned a lot Mm -hmm. from that. You got your undergrad here Mm -hmm. and then you went off and you got your graduate degree here. And I know like I've heard people say, well, you don't want to get your Mm -hmm. undergrad and your graduate degree from the same place. So what, you know, were the, I guess, the deciding factors in you deciding to go here for grad school? Mm -hmm. So the difference is, I think if you're really looking for a more prestigious job at a more prestigious company or you have high goals for moving up or Mm. going across the world or something, definitely I agree with that um, statement. For me, it was more that in our undergraduate and civil engineering, it was difficult to focus on, say, bridges. Mm -hmm. You could only take so many electives, you know, which is good. You should be well-rounded. And so really, I just wanted to get my master's to learn more about structural engineering Mm -hmm. and I only wanted to do it part-time and I had family here and I had a job and it just was more for me for education rather than for my resume. But you also knew exactly you. It was more about learning more. Yes. You knew what you wanted to learn. What do you think are some of the differences between, you know, working for government and working for a company or organization? Mm -hmm. So I've learned a lot from um, both of those. I think some of them at the time I was thinking, I wish I never had this job. (laughs) Um, But now I'm really glad I did because I learned so much. And there are certainly some stereotypical things about both of them. But as far as engineering goes, working for, say, a government entity, you know, you're coming from the perspective you're an owner. So you own that infrastructure asset, whether it's a bridge or a road or a sewer. And so your job is to you know, maintain those, make sure that they're repaired, make sure they're inspected, keep track of all of your assets. You need to plan for those for the future. So you're trying to come up with cost estimates of how to manage those, what Mm. type of repair they'll need when they might need replaced, obtaining funding. Mm. And you're also typically, at least especially when you move up a little bit, you're dealing with a lot of people. I worked for the Summit County Engineer for a few years and, Mm. you know, I was in the bridge group. So we didn't deal quite as much with people. We did sometimes if they would call about an issue near a bridge. But I know, for example, our drainage engineer, he dealt with people all of the time because Mm. there were a lot of county owned ditches. And if those, if there was a heavy rain and floods or overflows, you know, people get their homes get flooded 
it's a lot of that kind of stuff dealing with the public more. Mm. Also dealing with consultants, like what I do now. And it's just a different type of stress. The consulting world or design engineer to me is more stressful, but more challenging for me. And I think it depends what you're good at or what you really enjoy. You know, the thing that I love about it is I feel like I get to be more creative. I feel like um, I have more freedom, which for me is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like being fit into a box. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely more regulations when you work for the government, I Mm -hmm. think, and a little more stringent requirements and a little bit less freedom, even as far as like the hours you work. Now, on the other hand, you work for the government, you're answering directly to the public. So that's extremely stressful. Yeah. So it's just different types of stress. But yeah, you definitely get to do, I think, more technical work Mm -hmm. when you work for a design firm. Mm -hmm. So I'm also hearing you say kind of like with the design firm, even though originally you didn't want to do architecture, you're still getting a little bit more space for creativity. I think for me, the creativity part that I like is being able to take from a lot of other things that have been done and learning about new things and sort of knowing where to apply them, but getting to work with people. It's not just the black and white engineering calculations. You know, when you say that about creativity, one of my favorite projects that I worked on um, was a project for the city of Kent. And, you know, civil engineers are traditionally um, more introverted and you know, years ago, we're more about here's the best engineering solution. We have too much traffic. We make a bigger road. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've really evolved into recognizing that it's not black and white. You know, mm-hmm. really nothing is black and white solutions mm-hmm. for people. People are not mm-hmm. straightforward. It's not two answers. Yeah. There's a lot of gray, right? Yeah. So one of the my favorite projects um they were and I wasn't on it at the beginning. I was on towards the end. We were replacing a bridge. And they wanted to change the alignment. And they said, we're going to, you know, it wasn't connecting two streets. So they said, oh, we're going to connect these two streets across this river and railroad. Mm-hmm. Well, on the other side, there was a neighborhood that um, was very upset about this and said, mm-hmm. you know, all these people are going to cut through our neighborhood to go to Kent State University. Mm-hmm. And the city council actually stopped the project. Mm-hmm. And they rethought it. They actually, new city engineer came in and they said, you know what, we're going to, make the end of this bridge just come right into this street perpendicular and they have to turn and turn down that street instead of cutting through the neighborhood. And, you know, that's an unconventional, untraditional solution. Mm-hmm. And I think people were skeptical. After it was done, they did a traffic count. It actually reduced the traffic in that neighborhood by something like 50%. Wow. People were not cutting through the neighborhood. Na- and I just think how simple is that? Right. Uh, right. Engineers, you know, we would connect the dots. But when you think outside the box, it's like, well, we don't have to connect the dots. What were some of the hardest lessons that you had to learn early in your professional career? Um, one of the biggest things, one of the ones I had the hardest time with is it's okay to fail. You know, I'm a perfectionist mm-hmm. and it's hard for anybody to fail. It's really hard when you're a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And that was and sort of a woman. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I agree. And I always have had a hard time with confidence. So those two sort of went hand in hand. And it was really my current boss that taught me it's okay to fail and you're going to fail. And, you know, that's really where I learned how to handle failure that, Mm -hmm. you know, first you're going to make mistakes. You're going Mm -hmm. to fail. We're going to fail. The great thing is that we're a team, you know, Mm -hmm. someone's designing, someone's checking, someone's reviewing, you know, A, you do calculations, B, I check them. 
okay, that person that checks my calcs, they're going to find some mistakes probably. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's great. That's what they're supposed to do. You learn from them. Even my kids, they're going in fifth and seventh grades and they've come home and tell me, oh yeah, our teacher said failing's good because that's how you learn. Yeah. Even as a group, there have been times that, you know, no matter all our designs and checks and reviews, we've missed something and it gets to construction and there's an error that's found and Mm -hmm. you can handle that well or you can handle it poorly. And those decisions and the way you communicate with the owner and the way you handle that mistake can determine your future with Mm -hmm. that owner or even personally and professionally on your own, the way Mm -hmm. you handle your mistakes, accept it, admit it, own it, do your best to fix it and move forward. I mean, that's probably the biggest one that I learned. What have you learned through motherhood that has helped serve you well in work? Well, that's a good question because I think there's a lot of times that I'm trying to teach my kids something like the idea about failure and -hmm. learning from that, Mm -hmm. that I find myself trying to teach them. And then a voice in the back of my mind says, maybe you need to listen to that too. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's been hard for me to learn is Mm -hmm. the combination of balancing confidence with humility Mm -hmm. and valuing yourself. Because if you don't value yourself, others won't value you Mm -hmm. being yourself and not Mm -hmm allowing your situation to change that. You might temper your reactions or try to choose words differently depending on if you're in a professional setting or something, but that doesn't mean you have to blend in and you can't be yourself. I think that was something that has taken me a long time to learn in this field and then working with my kids on the same thing. You know, to switch gears a little bit and talk about more about, you know, being a woman and, you know, engineering and, you know, what all that means. When you came into school as an engineer, what was your perception of what it meant for you to be studying engineering and specifically civil engineering as a woman? I remember there were, I think there were maybe around 10% women in our class once we Mm -hmm. were in our real engineering classes. I remember there being like six women and I think we had like 65-ish people graduating Mm -hmm. our class. And I remember talking about the women that were in the different types of engineering majors. And I think we decided electrical had the least amount. But I think we might have had the second least. Mm. (laughs) I don't know. That was just what we thought. And Mm -hmm. thankfully, I found a really good friend. One of the girls and I made, you know, we became really good friends during college and after. So that was good. First in my mind, I thought, oh, I think it was fine. It was no big deal. And then I started thinking, I thought, no, you know, I think I always felt like we had to fit in, like we needed to be Mm -hmm. one of those guys, you know, like you couldn't be Mm -hmm. super girly. It was always like you just needed to fit in. You needed to be one of the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know how much of that was like us doing that to ourselves or them doing that because I felt like we had a really great group of people. You know, we had a group of young women and men that we all would study together, hang Mm -hmm. out together. But I just I did. I always felt like we had to be one of the guys. Mm -hmm. I remember when we were interviewing for co-ops, my mom was going to help me get a suit. And we were looking and I was picking out these suits and she, she said, well, a skirt is more professional. Mom, I'm in engineering. I cannot wear a skirt. You know, and I think there's two sides to that. Um, you don't have to wear a skirt to be more professional, but if you want to wear a skirt, you can wear a skirt. Right, right. You know? Right. And, you know, you were saying you don't know if the you know, pressure came from you or pressure came from the guys. I think, like, one of the basic instincts of, you know, being a human is that you want to belong. Mm-hmm. You want to have that sense yes. of belonging. Yes. And so, like, you're, you know, trying to fit in is a part mm-hmm. of, yes. you know, belonging. So I just think it's a natural 
inclination. What has surprised you the most, you know, about the dynamics of being a woman in these spaces? You know, I'm naturally loud and excitable and emotional and passionate. And not all women are like that, but I, you know, I am, whether it's good or bad, I am fiery. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm prone to get a little fiery about things I really care about. And I remember when I first started engineering, I thought, okay, I can't wear pink or purple. Mm. Um, I have to be quiet. I can't talk. Mm. Um, you know, I can't be really emotional. Yeah, there's some situations where all of us just need to work to be more even keeled. You know, yeah. you don't want your emotions to take over. But yeah. as I've moved along in my career and allowed more of my personality to emerge in my work, I've gained more confidence. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that a lot of times that emotion and passion and caring about things really benefits projects because sometimes you just have a different insight. And Mm -hmm. um, I think one of my favorite things is just in the last five years or so, we've had a couple of our clients comment that they really appreciated having me on the project because of my passion for the project, which I thought was awesome because there have been over the years, a couple of, I will say, you know, older men that Mm -hmm. made a comment to me about, you know, my emotions or my excitement Mm -hmm. and Um, Once I got a little more confident, I told one of them, I said, you know what? I am worked up about this right now, but my passion is also what makes me good. That's the whole point of having a diverse group of people, because when you're all working on a project together, you're all going to bring a different perspective. I mean, that's the point. We will get back to Shelly Kendrick's story in a moment, but for now, I want to thank you for listening to this Diverse Engineering podcast series. My name is Keridan Morgan, and I am able to attend the University of Akron because of the Women in Engineering scholarships that I have received. These scholarships, which are offered through the College of Engineering and Polymer Science, make a huge impact in my academic success by reducing my financial need. If you would like to make a difference in another female engineering student's academic career, please text WIE to 71777 or give online at uakron.edu forward slash giving forward slash WIE. This bit, you know, might be a heavier question, but what is the most significant, you know, sexism or discrimination that you face and how did you cope with it? You know, I really haven't felt a lot of that, mm-hmm. especially in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of an optimist. So at yes. first I thought, oh, I haven't really had much. And then I thought more about it. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. actually, one of my jobs when I was younger, early 20s, and I had a boss who was just a few years older than me. And there, you know, there was a group of us that we'd all go out to lunch together and stuff. And I thought we were friends. And then one day I was walking through the office and he just smacked me on my butt. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know what to do. I just yeah. kind of laughed and rolled my eyes and kept going. And then, I mean, it was probably like a year later, I was still working there. And I started thinking, I'm like, I mean, because I felt disrespected. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought, oh, whatever. That's, yeah. you know, I'm younger. That's what they do, whatever. And then probably a year later, I thought, that's not right, you right. know. And then you let someone do that and people know. And then what do they think? So yeah. I actually called him out on it. Yeah. He totally denied it. Yeah, just totally yeah. denied it. And then I left eventually, not because of that necessarily. So then after that, as I progressed, you know, I would go to conferences and things. And especially when you're a younger woman and there's not a lot of women at the engineering conferences. And right. Guys make comments here and there and they aren't horrible. Mm-hmm. And you don't think a lot of it. But then eventually you think, 
you know what? I don't care if these aren't way over the line comments. Like right. you're not saying anything like this to other men. And right. when you say these things to me and other people hear you, that's just disrespectful. And so yeah. I finally had, um, this was maybe 10 to 15 years ago. I was speaking at a session at a conference and I came out and there was a man that I'd met a few times and knew we're in the hall. There's all these people around. He said, how are you? I said, great. How are you doing? Well, I'm great. I just came here to look at you. Something like you're so hot up there talking or something. And there were all these people around. And I looked at him and said, don't ever speak right. to me that way again. That is right. not acceptable. Right. And I walked away and he was a client. You go. And the great thing is, you know, our company is so good about making sure that we understand that they will not tolerate that, yeah. that we do not have to tolerate that yeah. internally or from clients or anyone. So it, that felt good because so often, you, you know what? I even, when I was younger, would say things to like guys that I was friends with, air quotes, friends with, and they, oh, you're just overreacting. Right. And then you get older and you have this confidence and you're like, I'm not overreacting. Right. That's, if that's not acceptable to me, that's yeah. not acceptable. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, yeah. now we have all this harassment training that really, ex at least our company does, that explains that and it sort of empowers you. But back then, we didn't have that. And even if it's someone you know and they say something that's borderline, well, you can go to them on the side and say, hey, look, mm. you may not have meant anything by this, but I really didn't like it. So, like, what has it been like working with other women? It's been great. You know, you asked what were the worst things that happened. So I gave you those. But I have worked yeah. with a ton of great men and women over yeah. the years. So I've yeah. been really fortunate. On top of it, just being nice to have the camaraderie of other women. I've been fortunate to work with some women that really support each other. I worked for one place. I was the only woman on the engineering side with men. And the other side was all women. And eventually, when I came to the job I'm in now, we have good men, good women, the women support each other. I think men like having men to support each other and women like having women. I mean, we yeah. all like to have somebody that's like us. Yeah. And, you know, especially when it comes to if you're someone that wants to get married and have children and still work, you know, and having someone maybe that's done it before you that mm. can talk to you about how they did it. Or if you're a woman that, you know, doesn't want to do that, you know, mm. I mean, I feel like half the time that's look down on yeah, that you yeah. don't want to have children yeah. or don't want to get you know so i think just having the camaraderie of other women and even just the ideas the support mm -hmm. it's even a confidence builder sometimes yeah. just having another woman there to support your ideas mm -hmm. but you you kind of mentioned like having you know another woman that maybe done things that you've done kind of like a mentorship were there any people that significantly helped you as far as like coaching or mentorship or, or sponsorship? The first person that really helped me the most, my first job out of college, I worked for a consulting firm and it was mostly all men except for me and this one other woman who was an engineer and she's probably 10 years older than me. And she had worked for another firm before that and she was very good at what she did. She was also loud and talkative. But our boss at the time, we had the same boss. He tried to give her a hard time about mm -hmm. some things that she hadn't done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the kind of person that thinks you should just say, well, this is me. Take it or leave it. But mm -hmm. she said, look, I do my job. I do it well. I'm getting things done within the budget and the schedule. And this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm not doing anything wrong. And she pretty much told him, take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. I love gosh, I can't believe she said that. And then later I thought, that's awesome. I mean, I have never forgotten that. And I yeah. thought, yeah, if you're not doing anything wrong, you should be empowered to say, look, this is me. Right. 
-hmm. I've gotten in trouble for talking my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like from first grade, <laughs> my first two jobs after college, I would get in trouble for talking. This job that I'm at now, I'll never forget. I had been there a few months. I was at an event talking to people and one of our bosses was there and he came over to me and said, thanks for being here and talking to people. And I'm like, this is the job for me. I just yeah. got thanked for talking. Yeah. You know, but he recognized that, that yeah. that's a, you can use that yeah. to your benefit. Yeah, it sounds like you have a good boss now at your, yeah, your job I do. now. You I do. said a lot of good things. You know, sounds like a people but, developer. Yeah, yeah, he is. But yeah, that That's woman good. that said that to our boss, I had no idea at the time how much that would influence me. And then just from then on out, I would talk to her about how to deal with mm. that kind of stuff if there was some discrimination. And mm -hmm. she was great. She was really a trailblazer for me as far as you didn't see a lot of women doing that. So you're a senior engineer. I'm kind of curious, like, what does that mean? And what does your day to day look like as a senior engineer? Yeah, so as a senior engineer, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And it can mean different things. Some people choose a technical path, and they just want to do the design work, the plans and the calculations, you know, their whole careers. I didn't want to do that full time. I still do some of that. I'll do some checking or reviewing of calculations and plans. But a lot of my day to day is coordination of by managing a project, looking at all of the tasks that we need to do, making sure they're on track, coordinating with all the team members to make sure they have what they need, that, you know, we're on schedule. Is there something else we need? Coordinating with clients to make sure we're doing what they asked for, to make sure we understand what they're doing. A lot of times it's meeting with clients or going to events or mm -hmm. professional meetings, which mm -hmm. I love doing those mm -hmm. um, types of things. I mean, you know, there's professional society meetings, but also like there might be a golf outing. <laughs> we actually have a billiards tournament. I love the billiards okay, tournament. Okay, is that pool? Yes, okay. it's pool and you don't even have to be good at it. Okay. <laughs> I just partner up with somebody that's really good, but I can make better contact with a pool ball than a golf ball. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they do even like... This is golf again, but they yeah. there's a professional meeting in a couple of weeks. It's at Top Golf, and that's way more fun than regular yes. golf. Yes, it that's is. Fun. I'm a whole fan yeah. of Top Golf. But I mean, yeah. you know, you're out. There's food. You're talking, and it just it's more relaxed. But you actually get to know people, yeah. which makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, when you're working with them, and then, you know, even though they might be the client and you're working for them, when you actually get to know each other, it feels more like a team or a partnership. Yeah. And I think it makes. Do. Yeah, it makes projects run more smoothly. What are you most proud of professionally? One of my favorite projects is one that we did actually down in Canton. And we replaced a bridge. It had a trail that crossed at the road level. And we took the trail down and sort of lengthened. This bridge was over a creek. And we sort of lengthened the bridge to be able to bring the trail underneath the bridge. And worked with the community on that. But um, one of my favorite parts of that was, um, that's in Stark County, and um, it's a sort of a city of Canton and Stark County bridge. And the former Stark County engineer who had started out as a bridge engineer, he had passed away, I believe, from cancer a few years before that. And his son was actually working for us at the time and helping design this bridge. And they ended up dedicating this bridge in honor of his dad. And it's got monuments on the bridge. And uh, we got to have a big ribbon cutting and his whole family came out and his wife spoke and that was probably the most meaningful project I've worked mm -hmm. on just to get to see that in person and how much it meant to them because I have been um, a bridge engineer and I always kind of laugh that you know my title is still this 
you know, structural engineer, but mm-hmm. I'm really have in the last couple of years, I'm transitioning more to doing more public engagement and coordination and community work on engineering projects. Right. And right. I'm, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. So you're working on these things. Do you see like a different path or job title or, you know, a career for you in the future? Like what, what might be next? So I actually at one point considered getting a degree in planning and then mm. um, I, I just wasn't up for that at the time. Yeah. And I do have a lot going on right now mm-hmm. um, with family and kids and all of that. So for now, I enjoy what I do. And mm-hmm. part of me is I'm not great at change. I feel like I'm really kind of spoiled right now. Mm-hmm. I have the best of both worlds. I'm getting to do some of that planning and public engagement and still getting to do some bridge engineering all at once. I don't know if I would try to go more the planning route or not. So when all is said and done, what is your desired impact or reputation? I'm not really concerned with necessarily my reputation, but, you know, we all want to have an impact, right? And so I'm just thankful that I get to do something I love most of the time. And I hope that I'm actually able to listen to what people want and need, whether it's the public or the clients or people within our office. I just think it's important for people to feel heard mm-hmm. and be understood and be able to provide good solutions, improve situations, and that they would feel valued. So I just, mm-hmm. I hope that I'm just a small part in getting to make a big difference in people's everyday lives. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think you have a really bright smile. It's kind of contagious. What makes you happy is my last question. What makes you Yeah. Happy? Well, the easy way to answer is this is just say, well, related to my career. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, just seriously, though, related to my career, it's definitely the same as the last question, you know, just getting to make other people happy. Personally, you know, I'll be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. For me, it's Jesus. Yeah. Um, and at that, I don't say that as like, oh, I have Jesus in my heart, so I'm just happy. No, yeah. <laughs> I think it's also a choice. You know, we're not always happy, but, you know, just choosing to find the good in things and choosing to do your best every day. And, you know, we've had some rough stuff in our family and in our lives the last mm-hmm. several years. And I'm really thankful where God has brought us to out of those things and mm-hmm. how well we're doing and just choosing joy and thankfulness. Are there any last sentiments or pieces of advice that you like to share? There's definitely still, at least in civil engineering that I see, there is still some, you know, chauvinism and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing, which I think that exists a lot of places. I think it can be reverse also, Mm -hmm. but I think that we have come a long way for sure. Um, I've seen a lot of improvements, a lot just in the, you know, in the 20 years I've been doing that. And I think that both women and men deserve credit for that. I don't like when we devalue someone else in order to build someone up, you know? I really appreciate the focus on women in engineering and supporting them. And several years ago, you know, I would work with the women in engineering program and how they work with girls in engineering. I like to do that, encourage younger women, but I don't like devaluing men in order to bring women up. I mean, I think that's the same thing as men devaluing women. So I think that we should all value and promote each other. And um, like I mentioned earlier, in order for others to value, you have to value yourself first. So, and I think for me, I'm really thankful to work with a lot of good women and men. Um, I definitely want to thank you again for your time today, Shelly, and for being honest and candid and, you know, just an easy conversationalist. So really enjoyed it. And thanks for having me. For sure. Thank you for joining us this week on Diverse Engineering. And thank you to Shelly for her reflections and time today. 
We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Diverse Engineering, Women Engineers Through the Decades. I want to thank Bridgestone Americas, Continental Contatech, and the GPD Group for their generous support of this podcast series. If you'd like to help ease the financial burden of our diverse students within the Women in Engineering program, please consider donating. We need the help of community sponsors and listeners like you to support our Women in Engineering program. To donate, text WIE to 71777 or give online at www.uacron.edu slash giving slash WIE. Lastly, thank you to podcast host Ebony Bond, podcast editor David Campbell, WZIP manager Chris Kepler, and the College of Engineering and Polymer Science for making this podcast a reality. This has been Dr. Gary Miller, president of the University of Akron. Remember to aim high and rise higher. Go Zips.